What's up, footy fans? Welcome to the seventh episode of Backyard Footy, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts. That's BGN.FM on the internet. You can also follow them on Twitter at the BGNFM. I have my featured guest here with me, Brian Crailing. A little background on us. I first met Brian back in 2012 through my cousin Malcolm. He, he was with him as well. He kind of showed me the ropes and introduced me as well and, you know, gave me an idea who this agent would be and he been in contact ever since in college. Obviously, due to NCAA rules, I wasn't allowed to have an agent unless I declared for a pro, but we kept in contact over the years, and as soon as I finished, he was the first person I contacted, and he helped me out ever since. Right after college, I remember Brian and some other agents showing some interest, but he stood out for me because he was always willing to work hard for you without the money. Before then, making sure you're getting multiple opportunities, and then he finally landed me my first contract, and we've been smooth sailing ever since. So without further ado, I welcome my guest, Brian Crowley. How's everything? Everything's great, Hughes. Thanks for having me. Of course, thanks for being here. How was the game last night? It was good. It was good. Uh, had a chance to talk to Bob Lilly afterwards, and um, you know he's he's a coach that I get on well with, and have done quite a bit of business with, and love the guys. Just uh, you know, as a coach and a person, just a great guy. Um, but it's funny, Bob is, you know, he's a winner, um, and and he's harsh, and he's a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Which is why I, I think why he wins. He, um, you know, he's going to find fault in every performance. And yeah. you guys won three to nil, and all he was doing was good. <laughs> Even in the huddle after the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, everything he was saying was correct. Yeah. I agreed with with you know with the criticisms that he had for you guys. Um, but then, by the same token, I pointed out. I, I even said, but you know, Bob, you're you're sitting in third place. You know, if if the if the other matches I was watching stands. You're sitting in third place, right. and that's a pretty good position from which to to fine tune things and, right. and fix those problems, you know. And yeah, and he's, he agreed with that. But uh, but it, Bob's Bob's a lot of fun in a lot of ways because you know he's he's got such a specific personality mm-hmm. that that you always see it coming when you talk to him. You know <laughs> you know how the conversation's going to go. I uh, hope you're listening, Bob. Nothing but respect. <laughs> but um, you know uh, you know. Everything I'm saying is is with total respect. Of course, I, I, of course. The guy, the guy really is honestly one of my favorite coaches to do business with, mm-hmm. um, and you're lucky in that respect. Yeah, you know he's he's a guy who's going to shoot straight. You know he's going to tell you where you stand, mm-hmm. and he's going to be completely honest. And he's going to. I mean, I've never met a coach who gives better feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, um, at least to agents. I don't know. You know yeah, he keeps uh, it honest yeah. with us too as well. Yeah. Whenever we want to have a meeting with him, he pulls us to the side and. Loves to talk, but of course he's giving you play-by-play specific things that he remembers, and he has a great memory. Yeah, honestly, he does. for a game, I mean, he, it's like he can he he remembers one minute something. Yeah, yeah. 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 Was he's that your um, first USL game all year? Uh, this year? Yeah. No. Uh, where have I been? Um, no, I I, well, I flew out to Oklahoma City. Um, I haven't been getting to as many as as I'd like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm based in Baltimore, and you know typically. I, in the past, I've had a few clients through uh, through Harrisburg, so it's pretty easy to get to those games. But this year, the focus has been a little bit different too, and I'm trying to get to as many as I can. But um, you know, I had a had a trip planned to St. Louis, and it, it was the first Southwest flight to get canceled in, in years. Of course, um, 
and yeah, so my flight got canceled to St. Louis. So I flew out to Oklahoma City to see Cody Andrews and Jose Barril. Um, but no, you know, uh, so this is only the second, which still I, plan I have some on catching up to do some more. Oh, or, definitely, yeah. definitely. I, I get to as many as I can. Um, although you know, it's it's tougher than you'd think right. as an agent to to get to games because you you know you just have so much soccer to watch and and so many. Th- things pulling you in different directions, especially us. We're, you know, we're still relatively small. We're, you know, mm-hmm. what they call a boutique agency at the, you know, currently. <laughs> you know, I'm going to keep my uh, ambitions open. Of course. Um, but, yeah, we're a boutique agency, so, you know, there are only a handful of us. Um, and, you know, we've actually recently brought on a new agent. Oh, nice. um, uh, Callum Salter, who, who's a uh, lad from England, and very impressed with him and I think he's going to take us you know in, in, into markets we haven't been nice. able to crack on our own nice. um, considering bringing in another another guy South African guy as oh, a friend wow. of mine um, there's still more markets we can mm-hmm. open up and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah growing fast but um, you know how many employees do you have now? Uh, well let's see it's still just a handful there's me Armando Diaz who's our man in Florida um, and he's my right hand man he's he's uh, his partner. Um, I, I guess I really should break down the agency a little bit better to, to explain that qu- uh, answer well, that we'll question. We'll get into that too. Um, so. uh, well, uh, Brian Crailing LLC and the Crailing Sports Agency are slu- slightly different. Oh. Um, we, we actually recently changed structure. So we're now Brian Crailing LLC. Um, and the Kralik Sports Agency is a registered trade name of that company. Right. So under that umbrella, which I think is what your question is, there's uh, me, there's Armando Diaz, who's, you know, he's, he's my senior guy and, and the second highest uh, percentage owner of the company. Um, there's Melissa Weeks, who handles our, um, and she's very part-time. She handles our travel and event coordinating. Um, and then there's uh, Callum, like I said. And we have uh, my young cousin, uh, Cameron Crailing, as an intern for the summer. Nice. Um, he's just out of high school, and you know we're just gonna sort of be teaching him. So yeah, semi-employee. So that's account. about it for right now. Plus the the, you know, the friend of mine, uh, Darren Rudham, who we're we're in the process of interviewing and, and whatnot. So so yeah, yeah that's that's. Do you like your numbers small? Or are you still looking to expand? Um, I, I like them small, um, but as we grow as an agency, you know, I want to bring more agents in so yeah. that there's still good coverage. So right. that you know, so that one guy, you know, doesn't have a hundred agents or a hundred clients to worry about. And that's theoretically because we really don't want to have each guy have their own client list like a lot of the bigger agencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want my agents competing with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we all work for all of our clients. Yeah. Um, but adding more, you know, adding more client or agents, I should say, still helps with that workload because, you know, we're reaching out. These guys are reaching out to these clubs. These mm-hmm. guys are reaching out to these clubs. So it, it allows us to have a bigger client list regardless of the fact that these guys don't have certain players they're responsible for. That makes sense. <clears throat> so how do you think the USL has grown over these years in your eyes from an agent's perspective? Since um, you, started, you started in 2011, right? 2011, yeah. So how do you... How would you say, in your eyes, like I said, the USL has grown? It's grown in a lot of ways. Um, and the, the way that impacts me the most, uh, well, the two ways that impact me the most as an agent is they've grown financially. Uh, there's more money there now. 
and they've they've grown in the level of professionalism, mm -hmm. and that's really important. And you know, basically, that helps me. You know, how to, how professional the club is run helps me determine like where I steer a client. Mm -hmm. If there are two clubs competing for a client, offering similar money, even if they're not offering similar money, one of the big factors is going to be how how professional has that club been in my dealings with them or in treating other clients. That's I, I think it's important because if you want to do well as a player, you need to be in a good environment. Mm -hmm. and, and, a, you know, and there are clubs that are better environments than others, plain right. and simple. Right. You know? Especially for so, some players and different yeah. players. And, you know, um, I, I think <clears throat> this country is open for a lot of criticisms at every level, and that includes the USL. Um, and, and there are things that I think the USL could do better. But to be honest, you know, my compliments to them out, way outweigh any criticisms I might have. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think on the business side, there are some things that that I think are long-term concerns from my perspective. But I don't know the ins and outs. I don't. I don't sit in the meetings, so I don't. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mention any of that because I don't know any <clears throat> any of this for fact. Mm -hmm. But what they've done has been fantastic. They have closed the gap in quality between themselves and MLS drastically. Right. Right. They have grown. They have marketed incredibly well. Yeah. Um, they're they're growing in a lot of cities. They're growing big followings. Yeah. You know, and um, and they have become a path for for clubs to to, to jump up to MLS. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's the primary path at the moment. So, I mean, I have nothing but good things to say about the USL. Um, and now with love the D three coming, and D three, yeah, that's yeah. going to change the game. More players going to have more opportunities. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and that comes that comes none too soon because of what happened with NASL. Yeah, and and yeah. I, you know, from an agent's perspective, you know. 2017 heading into 2018 has been brutal, right? Um, and, and for a lot of players, I mean, you know, you're, you know, you're lucky to have a club. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, two years ago you're the defender of the year, and it was still, there was still some doubt at times yeah. that whether you were going to end up playing in, in the USL. Yeah. It, it's just you know that many players in the market, you know, clubs can pick and choose. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, it's been rough. We, I still have clients who certainly deserve to be playing at USL level who you know who didn't get the right opportunities yet right and you know we continue to work hard and look for other markets um, you know I think I have some things lined up for some guys in Europe soon um, you know but it's it's just been absolutely brutal and USL 3 it's going to alleviate some of that pressure yeah, for, for you know not just me but other agents other players you know right. players who are doing their own thing so you know those of you guys who are frustrated now uh, if you're listening I, I you know I just want you to hang in there you know, this uh, you've chosen a profession that, that it can be frustrating at times. Um, you always have to prove yourself, and you always have to look for opportunities. And, and you know, sometimes that's, that gets really frustrating. But hang in there. There's, there's some pressure release on the way in the form of USL 3 and possibly even NISA. Um, I know NISA has, uh, has, has kind of been delayed, um, but I don't know that it's been scuttled all together gotcha. so, so yeah yeah I agree with that patience is key too because when you're just sitting there itching for something it definitely plays a role in you mentally so I agree with everything you're saying yeah so first and foremost how'd you get involved in the game when you were younger okay well that's um that's interesting I actually got started relatively late and uh I'm gonna say I was I think I was 16 by the time I started playing oh wow uh, organized yeah um probably just started playing um, pick up around 15. Wow. And, I, and that's relatively late. And, yeah. you know, the, you're, we're talking the 80s here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm old. What was it like uh -huh. back then? Well, Different game? 
it, it depended on your neighborhood. Um, it was a different game, but as a kid, um, a lot of differences because, first off, we're talking back in the days where, you know, we didn't have instant gratification as kids. Um, you know, we weren't over-organized. I, I feel children today are, are over-organized, yeah. and, and here's what I mean by that. When I was a kid, during the summer, I would get up, grab a quick breakfast, and get on my, our little landline telephone, start calling my friends. Hey, you want to play some soccer? Yeah. All right, meet me at the courts. And we play court ball. And, um, you know, we would organize it. You know, so, so at, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, we're learning how to organize mm-hmm. things. <clears throat> you get a group of young, young kids right now, give them a ball and say, okay, why don't you, why don't you 12 go play soccer? My opinion, they're going to look at you like, okay, what are, what are the teams? What are the rules? How big are the goals? How big are the fields? And, and those, it's subtle, but those little things are missing from, from our kids' development. Um, it's something we want to address in our training division once we stand that up. And we're, we want to have some, like, supervised pickup games where, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where we force them. No, you make the rules. Right. You pick the teams, you know. Force some organizational skills on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I mean, getting involved, I, I grew up in a neighborhood where – um, you go to the basketball courts, nobody's playing basketball, they're playing soccer. So all summer long, all day long, uh-huh. I could go to any of three courts within walking distance of my house and get and get a game all day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, um, that helped develop me technically and uh, defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not slide tackling on the courts. You have to contain. <laughs> right. you, you, have have to, to you have to learn to defend. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, that's how I got into it. Finally, at, at 16, I, I actually joined a team. It was called Great Charles. Um, you know, it was sort of a step above rec. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back then it wasn't, you know, we didn't have the, you know, all these huge clubs mm-hmm. that had every age group. Like, like they, they, there were a handful yeah. of, of clubs. There was, um, in my neighborhood, there was uh, Post 38 and um, Purple Crush were the, were the two big ones and uh, at the time. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't really go that route. I, I mostly played... Uh, casual soccer and um, I mean and pickup. And did you play high school as well? Yeah, yeah. When I, I went to high school, played uh, my high school team, Dundalk High School, Dundalk Owls. We were brutally bad, <laughs> um, and you know, I, I'm sorry, Mr. Lauer. It was your fault. Our, our coach was not good. Uh, he's not good. I mean, we we took um, my my graduating class. Almost all of us went to. The, the junior college that was right next door, Dundalk Community College, mm. and we won our region. <laughs> I mean, it was all, all the same guys, <laughs> right. you know. There were maybe four four starters from other schools, um, and the rest were the Dundalk kids who had just gotten their asses handed to them for four years, and we won the region. And it was because every single player that, you know, um, at Dundalk, every single guy was in the wrong position, you know. Mm. They, they, he, he just didn't know what he was doing. I mean, but he was there for us. He tried. I mean, you know, he was a good guy. But uh, just didn't get it. I mean, yeah. our formations were crazy. Um, <laughs> we played like a, um, like almost like a, a 1800s sort of system. It was like a, a two in the back. <laughs> um, uh, it was either three or four midfielders, and then a bunch of yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, thinking that that's going to be a very attacking system. No, man. It, it's right. like nobody's ever going to get these forwards the ball. Um, but no, that that was. Uh, I mean, yeah, clearly an unusual path. From from there, from Dundalk, um, you know, we won our region the, my freshman year, had a good sophomore year, 
Um, you know, I scored a decent amount of goals, decent amount of assists. I was a midfielder. Uh, transferred to Western Maryland College, mm-hmm. which is now McDaniel College, Division Three school. Um, and, uh, you know, we this was a school that hadn't been doing well. Um, McDaniel. Then, yeah, McDaniel. Yeah. And then we had a pretty good season my junior year. Uh, I was the leading scorer. They, they transitioned me to a striker. Mm-hmm. Um, Who were you before? Uh, a winger, a midfielder. Um, and, you know, we almost everyone played a 4-4-2 back then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very traditional 4-4-2. Uh, sort of sometimes a diamond. Uh, we, we were still playing a sweeper system, so a diamond in the back, mm-hmm. but basically sweeper-stopper. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, we, we didn't, I was kind of the target striker, but atypical tar- mm-hmm. target striker because I was very fast. I was, I was also marked fast. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, so we, we had basically two guys running channels and, yeah. and I was the target, um, uh, of on diagonal runs and, and, you know, for as small a guy as I was back then, I'm, I'm not now, but as small as I was back then, I was 150 pounds, 5'10", uh, I was pretty good at holding the ball up in traffic. So yeah. so I, I was kind of a double threat. I would receive the ball uh, back to the goal. And, and my one of the things, I was real strong at turn players. So turn players, take them on and, right. and, and do something with it. Or run these diagonals where once the long ball was hit, I can outstrip everybody. So, um, so yeah, I had a good good junior season. Um, my senior year, I found myself double, triple teamed and, and didn't get the numbers, but still created a lot of opportunities. Um, from there, had some issues. I didn't finish. Um, had some issues with my financial aid, which a little salty about. They, uh, if I'd known then what I know now, things might have been different because basically right after my eligibility was up, mm-hmm. they called me the off, uh, financial aid office and said, hey, we made a mistake on your financial aid agreement. Um, you have to sign the new one. We, we're paying you, you know, ten thousand dollars less in financial aid. I'm like, I can't, what? I can't afford to stay here. Yeah. And you know, I, I might have fought it if I, you know, known that, that then what I know now. Yeah. You know, th- wait, doesn't this say agreement? Right. You know, right. Why, you want me to just throw that one away and make a new one? Right. I don't think so. But it is what it is. You know, um, I, 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 my grades weren't that great anyway. I was unfortunately my priorities were a little backwards back then. Hmm. So I left during basically my athletic senior year. Academically, I was still a junior, hmm. um, and uh, back then indoor was big. It was the it was the biggest game in town. Um, like Baltimore Blast, Baltimore Blast, gotcha. um, Hershey Impact, and I and I had a couple of indoor trials very close. I, I tried out with uh, Baltimore Blast. I tried out with Hershey Impact. Um, very close with impact. I was like the last guy they cut, mm-hmm. and um, you know I was getting a little frustrated. And uh, uh, an old amateur team that I had played with for years contacted me and said, "Hey, look, we're you know we've been invited to this tournament, and if we do well, we get into the Atlanta Professional Soccer Conference." I'm like, oh, "All right, I, I'm in." So uh, basically, the deal was: you get three points. You're guaranteed three games. You get three points. You're in. And this was. Back, it was still two points for a win, one point for oh, a draw okay. back then. Okay. So basically, we needed a win and a draw yeah. out of three games, and um, drew the. We drew one, lost one, and the last game, um, late in the game, I nicked the back pass of the keeper, stuck it in. <laughs> Bam! We're in the APSC. So, um, so yeah, we got uh, went up to the Atlantic Professional Soccer Conference, which not not a lot of people's heard of it, but it was a, it was a good level. It was um, uh, the other the the big so-called pro league in, in the U.S. at the time was, was called the A-League, and quality-wise, it was, was about the same. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was that was a little below the A League. Uh, no, it was the Atlanta. Uh, uh, oh, the Atlantic, Atlantic uh, Professional Soccer Conference. Uh-huh. Um, the football structure wasn't organized back then. The, nobody was called a first tier or second tier. FIFA didn't, you know. Yeah. Or we, we weren't designated as anything. Um, but when when we looked at the players, we looked at quality of play. When we when we scrimmaged A League teams, it, we were on par. It was about the same level. But they were more well known. Uh, we were like a, a regional ethnic league. Basically, that so um, a, a lot of those teams in that league were, were pretty storied amateur teams. You know, we're talking about Greek American Atlas, um, uh, Pan Cyprian Freedom, um, uh, a lot of the clubs out of New York, the Greek Americans, and um, uh, uh, I think the the Brooklyn Italians. I think were in that league. So a lot of the a lot of the clubs that were in the Cosmopolitan League today were in the PSC right. back then. Um, so yeah, I, I played there, um, scored some goals, did really well, and um, you know I was making like fifty bucks for a home game, a hundred bucks for an away game, mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, I've done well, I, and I didn't do well at first, but I figured it out, um, uh, and I'm like, all right, what do I do now? Right. I mean, uh, where do I go? There were no agents working in the game, um, not in the states, you know, and. Uh, I didn't know how to go about the next level. The A-League wasn't really, to me, the next level. Mm-hmm. I could have tried out and, and gone from making uh, $100 to a game to $150 a game, right. you know. Um, but uh, I wasn't making a living, and, you know, basically I'm like, you know what, it's, it's time to hang up the boots. So mm-hmm. uh, I ended up joining the military from there. Oh, wow. So, I didn't know that. Um, how, did, how old were you at this time? 23. Okay. Wow. So, yeah, I hung them up very early. Wow. You know, um, and that's a lot of why I do what I do. Yeah. Uh, because I feel if I'd have had an advocate back then, mm-hmm. I, I could have made that next step. I could have gotten some trials maybe, you know, in, yeah. in Scandinavia, you yeah. know, Iceland or Finland somewhere yeah. um, just to get to see how far I could have gone. Yeah. I have no idea how far yeah. I could have gone, yeah. you know. Um, and it's funny, though. I, I bring up, uh, you know, that I did well in that league. Um, but as you know, when you make the, the jump between college and professional – the, the, one of the biggest differences is how quickly you have to think and play. Mm-hmm. You know, the speed at which you make decisions. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't have that at first. I was like, get the ball, boom, I, I lose the ball. Mm-hmm. Get the ball, boom, I lose the ball. And I just, you know, my coach just let me figure it out. He kept me in, kept me starting. And, and finally, I remember the exact touch when I finally figured it out. <laughs> Honestly, and that, you know, um, it's like I got the ball, knew how fast the pressure was going to be. I did a move, got past the guy. Um, and uh, and played a nice through ball, and I'm like, Bing! There it is. There it is. There yeah. it is. That's how fast. And that that from then on, I, I was I played fast enough. Yeah. I played those quick one touches and two touches. I I had an idea in my head what I was going to do before I got the ball, so that I had that time. So it, it was interesting. And, and I tell players that you know, mm-hmm. I tell players that you know you're gonna if you push yourself at a high level you, you'll eventually figure it out if you let yourself mm-hmm. and you, you might even remember you know you might even see it like a light bulb mm-hmm. so so yeah that's my uh that's my playing career so yeah talk to us about the military the military mm-hmm. um i was united states air force um i was a communications expert and um for most of the most of my my first assignment i was uh ground radar at a remote site called la hunta bomb plot where we weren't really on a base we were on our little site there were just a few hundred of us mm-hmm. very close in the community out in the middle of nowhere in Colorado it was the southeast corner of the state 
our job was basically to um, to help uh, pilot air crews, bomber pilot air crews uh, practice, and, and everything was done electronically with with different simulations. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, they would um, they would have a, a, a bomb route that they had to run and, and simulate a, a bomb a bomb drop. And what they did was they had this this um, this tone that they would you know beep, and when they cut it off, that's the bomb release. Mm-hmm. Well, we had radar systems tracking them and it takes everything into account barometric pressure wind speed everything and tells you exactly where that bomb would have hit and scores their accuracy but along with that we're also simulating threats we had systems that that would lock on to as in you know would activate their missile lock on um we even had radar sets that would shoot up pulses that on their radar looks like anti-aircraft fire right you know Uh, and i worked on a system called the ground jammer which basically when they're doing a bomb run B-52s, B-1s, whatever, they're not looking out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, they have this computer screen that's that's painting a, a, a picture, a video and or radar picture of what's on the ground, and we shoot up static on that screen. Mm-hmm. You know, so so our air crews had to deal with all of this and, and put and put accurate bombs on target. Gotcha. So, wow. so that's what I did my first uh, three years. Then, then I moved to a combat communications unit. And that I enjoyed a little bit more. It was a little more active. Uh, got some deployments in, um, and uh, a lot more versatile. And I was allowed—I I was given the chance to really excel and, yeah. and, and uh, find my niche in, in command and control. And, and basically, it was it was that type of unit. Since it's you know our job was to deploy into combat zones, um, it really looked for good people and let them rise to the top. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I did. Uh, and, and from there, you know, because I did so well, I was recruited by an organization called Air Force Engineering and Technical Services, which is um, uh, Department of Defense. And, and basically, um, you know, I, I will I will use the term DOD agent because it's I mean that's not the actual technical term for what I was, but it's a lot easier than saying I was an um, I was a combat deployable emergency essential Department of Defense Air Force attached civilian, so DOD agent. Yeah. You know, so um, so yeah, I deployed a few times there as well, and actually that it was during that time when I was a DOD agent um, that I hit on the idea of becoming a sports agent, uh, and the reason being is um, I was stationed in uh, Oklahoma City in Tinker Air Force Base, Oklahoma, and I had done a deployment. And um, I was just back, and all my colleagues were then sent out on a different deployment. So I'm the only one in my office, and really not that much to do. So I'm, you know, building training plans for for Air Force guys, and that was a big part of our job was to train them on different systems. And um, uh, you know, but I'm spending a lot of time just bored in the office, surfing mm-hmm. the internet. And, and sorry, taxpayers. Um, I, I think we. We as combat deployable civilians did a little less wasting of your taxpayer dollar than most, but you know I, I did I, when I was in garrison. There were some times that I wasted taxpayers' money. I, I apologize <laughs> unreservedly. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm checking my email one day and I, and I get this spam email. It's this classes on how to become a sports agent, be an NFL agent, be a MLB agent, blah blah blah. I'm like whatever, delete. And I was thinking, wait. I wonder what it's like to be a, an agent in soccer because it's got to be different from other sports with the world governing body and all. Right. Um, and the assumption was always you have to be an attorney. Um, uh, but I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna 
do a little research and see if that's the case. Uh, if I, you know, maybe you don't have to be an attorney, you know. So I ended up reaching out. I looked up, you know, some some soccer agents and uh, working in the U.S. And this was years later, so there were some finally. Um, and it turned out I found that one of my idols growing up was was an agent, and that was Shep Messing, the legendary Cosmos goalkeeper. And um, he, at the time he was working as an agent, and I think now he's doing more broadcasting stuff like that. Still, he's got a lot of irons in the fire apparently. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to email him. And I, I emailed him. And I expected maybe in a couple of days, if I'm lucky, one of, you know, his secretary or an assistant will get back to me. Now, Chef got back to me within five minutes. Wow. And, wow. and he spelled it out for me. He's like, look, you know, um, there's no reason you shouldn't pursue it. He said, um, you, don't have to, you don't have to be an agent or, or, excuse me, an attorney. You don't have to have any degree. You have to pass this test. That FIFA gives, and you study. You know, you get the study materials, you study, and and pass the test, and you're and you're licensed. I'm like, all right, all right, I could possibly do this. So I started te- studying for this test, which no longer exists, by the way. They've changed how how that happens, but started studying for the test, and you know that dragged on to years. And you know, and looking back, and it's only looking back that I kind of figure this out. I was afraid to make the move. You know, gotcha. but, um, I had this good government job. Right. right. Um, you know, supporting a family, uh, and I just, I just didn't do it. And then finally, you know, my, I, I ended up uh, my marriage fell apart, mm-hmm. and was in a custody battle. And I get orders to to get reassigned to Japan, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I can't, I can't fight fight for my kids yeah. and, and and go to Japan. So. I, I left my, the DOD and I went and I followed a former commander of mine into a, a, a contracting company mm-hmm. so I was doing defense contracting still end up deploying again but um, <clears throat> but I did that for a year finally there was no more work for me they let me go and you know that's when I started bouncing around from job to job figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up gotcha. and uh, you know I found you know went through a couple of jobs finally found one that I really liked, tied in all my skill sets, was enjoying it, boom, laid off. And I'm like, I can't win. So, and this the this was around 2010. The economy was horrible mm-hmm. as far as jobs. I, I, I searched for seven months, couldn't find a job. Finally, I thought back to, you know, all that knowledge I'd picked up studying for the uh, FIFA exam, which was, was no longer how... It was well. I think it still was back then, but I didn't. I didn't go that route. Mm-hmm. But um, just realized, you know, I have the knowledge to do this. I don't have the connections, so it'll be hard. But if no one else will give me a job, I'll, I'll give right. myself a job. So, so I did, and um, you know, to I knew I wasn't going to make money right away. So to make ends meet, I waited tables and bartended. Oh wow! Um, wow. You know, so uh, you know things that there, there are things that I uh, kind of went through yeah. that at the time I was embarrassed about. Yeah. But and I'll tell this to, to young players who are struggling. You know, do what you got to do. Yeah. To succeed, you you swallow your pride and mm-hmm. you do what you got to do, because something that's embarrassing to you as you're doing it, it's going to be a source of pride once you succeed and say that. You know what I did to succeed? I did this, this, and this. Yeah. I remember riding on the bus in Baltimore City, in a you know in a three piece suit, you know, feeling like an idiot. You know, I, I'm in I'm in and it was you know I'm in the Savile Row three piece suit. Uh, driving from Dundalk to downtown, and I'm like, I should, 
I should <laughs> be here. I'm, I just I felt like it, everybody's staring at me. Yeah. And I did it. I did it repeatedly to get to the meetings I had to yeah. go to. You know because that's what I had to do yeah. to succeed. And, yeah, and now you, you know now I'm proud to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I waited tables. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did what I had to do to get this company where it is. Yeah. You know, so. So yeah. Um, so I started that in eleven. How'd you how'd you kind of start your agency? Um, well, I uh, a little knowledge on it, but yeah, I, I didn't know how to go about it. Um, and, and I had a good friend, uh, Gina Jeppy, who um, she was a very good friend of mine, and she did business consulting. You know, mm-hmm. consulting. Now she was mostly working in like the restaurant industry, consulting on on how restaurants could be made better, how to start restaurants, to start various businesses. I went to her and explained the situation, and she, you know, she she agreed. Look, I I, I believe in what you're doing. Um, I'd love to see you succeed. I'll I'll, I'll help you get started. Um, you know, I'll help you help you build a business plan, and, and I don't want anything in return. Wow. So wow. I ended up actually giving her membership shares. Yeah. Uh, in you know when it was, we were incorporated at the time. Um, so she she became part owner and helped guide me on how to start a business. Yeah. Now. It was hard at first. It was really hard. And I knew it was going to be. What were some of the challenges? Well, uh, you know, I I hadn't been around the game in 80s, 90s, and almost like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. I had no connections. I didn't know anyone, you know. Um, So I had to to build that from scratch. Right. And that was tough. So, uh, you know, I had to go out and and find clients. And it was very difficult to do this. I had to find clients who, A... I believed in, mm-hmm. and B, believed in me. Mm-hmm. Now, that's tough because, you know, I, I go to a guy who's been playing soccer for, you know, professionally for two years or three years, and it's like, who do you represent? No one. You be my first. How, I mean, yeah. do you want to be the first? Yeah. So, but I, I was lucky. I found some guys. First guy I found was a goalkeeper named Chris Frederick. Um, I know Chris Frederick. Yeah, Chris. He was a very talented young goalkeeper playing for a, a small, unknown college. And um, uh, Lock Haven University, uh, unknown. It's not unknown, but it's it's not, you know, it's right. not turning out pro soccer players. You right. know, it's Division two or three. Right. Um, and, but you know, I went and watched him a few times, and he really was good. Mm. So and and he 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 kind of wanted to, he wanted to quit school. He wasn't he wasn't uh, well suited for for college, mm. and he wanted to pursue a pro career. So brought him on board. You know, and I started working for him, got him some opportunities. Um, you know, he, he ended up, you know, we got him some, some semi-pro gigs in Germany. Uh, he, he enjoyed everything he did. Didn't, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it didn't really pan out. He ended up going, becoming more of an entrepreneur than anything, which is great. But, but he had that chance to pursue it, right. and I was honored to be part right. of his journey. Um, but, say you know, from him, did. you know, I had a client, and I got a couple more like him and, and guys who – who were willing to put in the grind and got guys who didn't have a name, Dominic Coco, um, uh, who else? Um, you know, I worked with some of the guys who played for the Baltimore Blast off and on, Warren Oka, mm-hmm. uh, who's still I'm friends with to this day. Um, you know, but uh, we got we, we might have helped out with some indoor deals, stuff like that, but it wasn't until uh, Cody Andrews that, that I got my break, yeah. you know, and brought Cody on. And um, 
uh, we, he was playing for the Missouri Comets at the time, mm. and you know his, his he wanted to play indoor, he want, or outdoor. He wanted his focus to be outdoor. So we worked really hard. Finally, got him an opportunity, a trial in Harrisburg, and the way that came was interesting. He was he was playing in the final for the for indoor for the indoor league in Baltimore, and I think it was the last game mm-hmm. of the final. And you know, it's like we needed to find something. I was, it was, I was getting desperate. I had nothing for him, and finally got a call back from Bill Betcher while I was at that game. Wow! It's like you, you know, we we need that center back. You still want to send Cody up for a trial? I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I get him up there probably day after tomorrow. You know, right. and and we got him up there. Uh, he killed it. Did well. Became their center uh, starting center back from the beginning. And, and that's really when we started to take off because, you know, especially since it was Harrisburg, I was able to be up there a lot. Yeah. And, I, and that first year, I was up there all the time. I was watching games. I was going out, you know, going out for, uh, for a beer and a, and a snack after the game with the team. Mm-hmm. So all his teammates saw me around. Oh, all his teammates meet him. Yeah. And all his teammates are thinking, wow, your agent comes to your games. Yeah. Um, you know, so we ended up from there. We picked up guys like Jan Ekra, Jose Barril. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple other guys who, you know, have come and gone. Always on good terms, you right. know, and that's going to happen. Guys, you know, guys don't fit. Guys don't work out. But but I, I have this philosophy that I really want to leave everything on good terms because mm-hmm. what we do is business, yeah. you know, and that doesn't, you know, that doesn't reflect who the person is. If we don't gel from a business side, if it doesn't work out for you from a business side, that doesn't mean right. I don't respect you and vice versa. And and I've done a pretty good job at that, you know, and and. I haven't burned many bridges mm-hmm. in this game, which is something I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. I get referrals a lot from guys who are former clients. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I believe that. Um, you know, guy, guys who, who who left didn't think we were a good fit, but who call and say, "Hey, you know, we weren't a good fit, but I have a guy who I think fits what you're doing better, and I'd like you to talk to him and blah blah blah." And yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys still stay in touch. Right. Um, even guys with different agents <coughs> who went on to. to to go to different agencies, you know, we still stay in touch on a friendly level. Obviously, I stay stay away from business. I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, break any rules or step on any toes. But, um, but yeah, and and that's something I'm very proud of. So, um, so that's the that's the uh, official story of how I got started. Um, now there's there's more to it, a lot more to it that not too many know, people know about. And and I guess uh, I guess this is a good enough forum. Uh, as any to, to really get into what drives me. All right. That's what I asked to. So yeah. Continue. Well, um, shortly after I started the agency in, in 2011, um, my brother and I took my mom out for her birthday or Mother's Day or it was her birthday. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. her birthday. <clears throat> like we, you know, we had usually done. Um, and, you know, we had a good meal, walking around the Inner Harbor, and she pulls my brother aside, brother and I aside, and tells us that she had been diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's pretty devastating. She had fought breast cancer in the past and beat it, mm-hmm. uh, but this was different. You know, we could tell, you know, by how somber she was and, and how nostalgic she had been. Like, you know, walking around the harbor, she just was just, like, all over her granddaughter, my, yeah. my, my brother's uh, daughter. Um, very affectionate towards us, and when she told us, we knew, yeah. right? This wasn't this wasn't that the same sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, um, 
so she she had she had uh, started in her her pancreas I think I don't remember I, I, I don't remember because it ended up all through her body yeah but anyway it, it was serious and we knew it was going to be the last battle you know the battle was going to be how long she could hang on yeah. you know um, so after that I moved in with my mom I'll take care of her mm-hmm. um, you know so so now I'm waiting tables washing dishes um, bartending taking care of my mom and trying to start a business <laughs> from scratch um, you know but but my mom she wouldn't stop anything that she did she wouldn't you know she, she was doing her chemo and, and all this but she refused to stop living right you know she wasn't gonna just um, rest and and just focus on doing nothing but fighting cancer because her philosophy was you know why am I gonna fight so hard to stay alive if I can't enjoy what yeah. what days I have left mm-hmm. you know so you know Disney cruises um, you know with, with my brother and stuff with me we would you know family get togethers family events right. she wouldn't stop you know so you know I, I took a lot of strength and comfort from that mm-hmm. you know and, and just her whole battle and how gracefully she handled it. It, it it taught me a lot and showed me a lot about character which is very important to us as you know mm-hmm. um, so you know she's she's hanging in there for a couple years and uh, you know um, we finally get a big break and that was we uh, we had a chance to um, to work with Hernan Grana of Boca Juniors who wanted to come up and play MLS and Columbus were interested well actually basically we had we had connected with Hernan's uh, local agent and, and with Hernan and we were we were marketing them to a bunch of clubs and, and Columbus we went there we went to Columbus presented a bunch of players and they were interested in Hernan uh, they trusted us from from a previous situation where where we showed a lot more honesty and integrity than, than most people would we mm-hmm. basically when we we, we thought we were walking away from a huge deal because we, we were honest about a player that they were interested in that, that was not a good person. Right. You know? And, um, you know, we, we basically told them, look, we're not, we're not going to – this guy doesn't fit what we're looking for in a client. You know, we don't think he would be great in your locker room. Um, but if you want to pursue him, we'll put you in direct touch. We don't want any part of the deal. And this could have been a $30,000 fee when we were making 100 bucks, 50 bucks here. So – but they said, "Look, we already we knew this about the player, and we were gonna, we were taking this meeting thinking we were going to let you down, um, you know. So we gained that trust, and that allowed us to do this this job with uh, with Columbus, but right. juniors. So, so we went back and forth negotiating and, and and working out the details of the deal. Finally, it's like, okay, we we've come to an agreement. Um, we're we're going to go. George Varga, who was, who was with us at the time, no longer with the agency." Um, he and I drove out to Columbus to seal that deal, and on the way there, um, my brother called and said, you know, "Mom has gone to the hospital. It's, it, lo- it looks like this is it." Mm-hmm. And debated turning back, but kind of thought, you know what? This, I mean, this is what she's been waiting for. This is what she's been holding on to life for is to see me succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we went ahead and we did the deal. We, we got back. Mom was still in the hospital, uh, and it, it was it. After that, she went on hospice, and. Um, while she was on hospice, just with days left, mm-hmm. she kind of admitted something to my brother and I that she had lied about. Um, 
you know, all those years earlier, when she told us, you know, she she only had a few years to live, the doctor actually told her she had a few months to live. Mm. So, basically, my feeling is that she she was going to stick around until I succeeded. Yeah. No matter the doctor, no one was going to tell her. Yeah. You know, it was years. It, they said three months. It was yeah. years. Yeah. You know. She she hung on for years until, you know, until she finally saw. All right, Brian's on his way to seal the deal. It's right. going to put him on the map. Right. And and she she's finally accepted and and, and moved on. Mm-hmm. Um. So. So yeah, I mean that's that's why I fight so hard yeah. for my clients. Yeah. It's because, you know, it, it's all in her memory and her honor. Yeah. It, it's uh, that that sort of strength. I. It reminded me the, the the blood that runs through my veins. Yeah, you know what I mean. I respect that. So, so yeah. So uh, I've told a handful of people that, mm-hmm. uh, and now I guess I've told your whole listenership. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is it's a very personal thing, but you know it's something I'm I'm proud of because it's a testament to the strength and character of my right. mom. Right. You know, and, and and you know loved her and and respected her to the utmost. She's you know she is where character matters comes from you know know? so um so yeah and that's that's been my journey um and 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 that's been the reason that i've stuck to my principles Mm -hmm. as as we've gotten successful i still you know do the things that i've always said i was going to do and you know i i work with guys that no other agent will work with um you know that doesn't mean i say yes to everyone i can't it doesn't mean I only work with guys who nobody's ever heard of, um, but I at least uh, every year I want to have two or three guys who, who are good enough, but probably would never get an opportunity without an advocate. Yeah, you know, and a lot of a lot of times those guys don't work out, but at least they're gonna make an, a good go of it because right. they have somebody at their back. Right, you know, they have somebody who believes in them, and and they're gonna get you know, they're gonna get opportunities to to find out if they can do it. Right. You know, and that's that's one of the things we're all about, you know. So what kind of separates you from other agencies? Would you say, as you were explaining earlier, your mom and that motivation, character matters, that kind of separates you from other agencies? Or what would you say separates you? Um, yeah, I think a big... Uh, there are a couple things, but I think character matters. Yeah. Um, you know, that that is our motto, and it's something we take very seriously. And, you know, the thing about that is... It's a nebulous term, you know, so I, I should probably define what it means to me. Character is doing the right thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it, it's, it's being there for the people who you've committed to being there for. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it doesn't mean you're soft. And, and I've had some clubs make the mistake of thinking because, you know, because I'm, because I'm a nice guy, because I'm transparent, because... You know, I treat them well and I'm respectful. And because I have this motto, character matters, it means that they go walk all over me. They have found out that that is not the right. case. <laughs> you know, um, and, and and remember too, you know, a, a lot about character, a lot of what I learned about character comes from the Air Force, whose job is to drop hot screaming death yeah. upon the heads of our enemies. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there's nothing soft about the United States Air Force. Right. Um, I mean, the Marines and the Army, they, they're going to say differently, but it's all in, that's all in good <laughs> fun. That's between brothers. All right. Um, but, uh, but no, I think the fact that I've stuck to that 
I, I think does differentiate us between most. Um, I had a I had a guy who was mentoring me who was um, a, a cousin of a friend who who was who's an agent for one of the bigger agencies, and he, he gave me some great advice along the way. He was great. I really appreciated the help that that he gave me and the advice he gave me starting out. Mm -hmm. But one of the things he said was, you know, if if you're gonna if you're gonna stick with this get character gimmick, it's never gonna work. I'm like. You know, you've given me some great advice, uh, and some I'm going to follow, some I'm not, and you know, I'm going to I'm going to stick to this one. Right. You know, and uh, you know, just just to hear that from a big agency was an eye opener. Yeah. You know, um, and I think maybe he misunderstood too what I meant by character. Mm -hmm. You know, it's you know, and you you of all people know that I'm willing to to step up, put my reputation online, and fight for somebody right. I believe in. Right. You know, if I think you're right. I'm going to be in your corner, right. you know, and, and, and we've been through that together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, by the same token, I, I'm also, I'm never going to blow smoke up your ass. Mm -hmm. You know, if uh, if there's something I feel you need to hear, you're going to hear it from me. I'm, I'm not going to tell you what, what you want to hear. And, right. and that's a difference. Yeah. You know, that's a big difference. A lot of agents seem to forget that athletes thrive on criticism. Yeah. I can tell you... Yeah. You're you're messing up. Right, it's you know? just as important. Yeah, I, I mean, how are you going to fix it if you don't know there's a right, problem? Right. And and you, the last thing you need is a yes man. Now I remember I work for you. Mm -hmm. You're my boss, mm -hmm. but part of why you pay me is to provide some leadership and some guidance. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember that. So when I re when I provide that, I remember that I'm doing it as your employee. Yeah. But you still need it. You still yeah. need to hear what I have to say, yeah. you know, because I, I bring something to the table. I bring some experience. Mm -hmm. I, I bring some knowledge. I've been, you know, I, this is in 2011. I've been doing this for seven years. Yeah. And, and, I, and I know, you know, a lot of things about how teams operate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with my diverse background gives me insight into psychology, mm -hmm. into law. I mean, I, I've got a very diverse background. And, and you know all this. And you know that, you know, if I'm going to tell you something, it's going to be because... I care about you, and I'm looking out for your interests. Right. Even if that's you're not doing this right, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I think that differentiate differentiates me. And I think the last thing, and, and this is important, in, is that I'm going to work for every single one of my clients as if he's a star. Mm -hmm. And that's key. And I have had many clients switch over to me from bigger agencies, and I don't want to paint everyone with the same brush. Mm -hmm. not, you know, there are. I'm not the only good agent out there. Uh, but there are a lot of agents out there um, who work for bigger agencies. Not all of them, but a lot of them. They're they're going to be great. They have they have fantastic resources. They have incredible networks. They really know their job, and they're going to do a really really good job for you as long as your career goes as expected. Yeah. yeah. The minute you get bogged down at a yeah. lower level, the minute you get you know banged up and it doesn't, and you're going to struggle coming back from, yeah. you know, the, when you stop getting minutes, you're going to have, you're not going to hear from them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and you know this isn't this isn't me, you know, just calling out my competition. This is me stating facts from based on experience. Mm -hmm. Same thing for me too. I've heard plenty of stories yeah. from a bunch of professional players. So yeah. yeah. And again, I, I'm. I'm not painting all my competitors with the same brush. There's some very, very good agents out there who work in small agencies, big agencies, medium-sized agencies. But you, you really need to be careful. Yeah. Um, and while I'm on the topic, if you don't mind if I go yeah, off the question continue. a little bit, um, some advice I would give to, to players who are looking for an agent, mm -hmm. uh, be careful of guys who, who talk about how close they are with this coach or that coach. 
part of our um, uh, code of conduct states that we want to try to develop good relationship, good working relationships with with coaches and and, and club personnel, mm-hmm. but we need to avoid developing strong personal friendships with them mm-hmm. because it leads to conflict of interest. And let me give you, give you an example. Suppose, you know, suppose uh, Bob Lilly and I were best of friends. We hung out every weekend. I went to his house. Um, you know, we had Thanksgiving dinner together, that close, right? right? And, and you start not getting paid on time or you start getting treated unfairly. You know how close we are. Who are you going to go to? Uh, am I your advocate or am I Bob's right, advocate? Right. You know, and and that's you know, and that's just an example. Um, but uh, you know, I've seen a lot of that. I've seen guys who who got themselves into a situation with their club where they were afraid to go to their agent because their their agent is so close with with the head mm-hmm. coach or with the with the technical director or somebody. Yeah. You know, and, and they know it's going to get back to them, and and they're yeah. not sure whose side he would be on. Yeah. So you know, you you need to look at that neutrality. Um, and, and again. I have some very good relationships uh, to the point where I, I call them friendships mm-hmm. with, within these games. But uh, I won't let myself get so close to to one of these guys to where it would be a conflict. Right. My clients wouldn't be confident talking to me. Right. You know? So so that's I think that's very important. So how do you kind of scout players? Is it mostly through word of mouth or do you attend showcases, combines? And- All of the above. Um, watch a lot of video. We, we get a lot of people approaching us now. Um, so we watch a lot of a lot of video that's sent to us. Um, we're we're very lucky to have Armando Diaz. Armando is a um, uh, a former MLS scout for two different clubs for for Sporting Kansas City and for Portland Timbers. Um, that brings us a lot of credibility and, and it brings us uh, a great ability to identify talent. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so so a lot. A lot comes from his network. I mean, he's still in touch with a lot of scouts, yeah. and and we get we get put onto players um, by that network, and, and he does a lot of the you know he does a lot of the scouting. Um, we have used in the past Y Scout. I'm not sure if we still have a subscription for that or not. Um, y Scout is a it's a useful video scouting tool that indexes all televised games throughout gotcha. the world. Um, oh, wow. It's an amazing tool, really, and and you know. Sorry to do a commercial, but Watch Scout really is an amazing tool for <laughs> for clubs and for for scouts and for agents. Yeah. It, I mean, you can you could look up, you could type in a player's name. It'll bring up all the matches he's wow. in, all the team sheets he's been in, and then you know you could do things like okay, generate <laughs> generate video reports, um, completed passes, and it'll just pick out the during this game all the completed passes by this player, or you know, passes given up, tackles, headers won. Right. Um, negatives, positives. You can put any of those parameters in there, and it's going to come up with. And and these games are hand indexed, so it, it, I don't think it's a hundred percent of the games. But right. all your big games, you know, all your big leagues are going to have this, so that you can get did video reports on a player. You know, it's pretty amazing. Um, so you know that. But word of mouth is big. You know, you've referred clients to me, yeah. um, and that's something that's very important for us too because you guys know what sort of character we need right as well as what kind of talent so getting getting teammates on board that that you believe in and and you feel are a good fit i trust your judgment and um you know uh, that that's big too 
um, attending attending college games, attending other pro games, showing up in Pittsburgh, for example. Yeah. Uh, you you come here, yeah. and, and you know this is this is how I did it in Harrisburg. You know, I got Cody in, and yeah. then I went and I showed these guys that I that I do a good job, mm-hmm. and I showed these guys last night. Oh, was that yeah. your agent? Oh, your agent yeah. came to the game just yeah. like you were saying really? before. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and you know, and it's not, and it's not disingenuous, mm-hmm. yeah, because I, I am here for you. Mm-hmm. But being here for you, doing a good job is the best advertising you could do in any industry, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think I'm doing when I come to games, yeah. you know, when I come to to see you, uh, when I do your podcast, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, d- doing a good job is one of the best ways to advertise yourself in, in industry. So, um, so scouting, I mean, it's all over, you know. It's 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 word of mouth, uh, but at the end of the day, we're gonna want to see a guy play yeah. before we sign him, even if that's his video, uh, preferably live. Yeah. But you know, we our leads come from word of mouth, from people coming to us, sending their video, from um, you know, even just identifying players that we know we like, yeah. and and trying to figure out whether or not they have agents, and and I'll be honest, trying to figure out whether or not they're happy with their agents, right. you know, and and we don't. We don't try to poach guys away. We don't incite anybody to break a contract. But, you know, we stick around long enough and that their contract expires, they might call us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's how we go about kind of building our client list. And, and right now we're, we're, we're trying to, to go after certain types of players. And that, that always changes. Every, every few months or so, we're, I, I sit down and come up with the parameters of what kind of players we're looking for. And, you know, it's going to be based on what we have, what time of year it is, you know, what transfer windows are open or coming open, um, you know, what we have by position, what we have by age, what we have by uh, quality. You know, we want, we want guys of different quality, you know, because we want to – any team that comes knocking, we want to have the right guy for them, you know. And, and, and let's face it, you know, um, if we have an MLS caliber player and a USL club – comes knocking, we don't have a player for that club, right. you know, um, but we want to, we want to have a guy who's USL caliber, we want to have a guy who's, who's starting USL caliber, and who's a guy, and a guy who will, will help, you know, push for minutes, or have right. to push for minutes, right. because clubs need both of those things, and we want to have them all, so, so what type of player we're going after is, is dependent on all those things. Mm-hmm. So how do you typically get players jobs, <clears throat> what's that procedure like? Um... It's hard to say typically because it, it, how we approach any any club is, is going to be different depending yeah. on our relationships with that club. But kind of a general overview is, you know, we spend a lot of time time reaching out, out to clubs, um, clubs we know, clubs we don't. And the idea is ascertain their needs. Mm-hmm. So the way I do it is, is I'll send a club a list of players that I have available you know, that I think would be a good fit. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot, four or five, you know. I said, hey, th- these guys I think would, would be a good fit. I, I put a link to their profile and my notes on them, what type of player he is, what kind of guy he is, um, and and basically say, look, you know, this this is these are some guys I feel would be a good fit for you, but please give me a call and let me know, you know, let me know what your needs are. Because I have more guys that, that might fit. I just need to know what your needs are. So, so ascertain their needs. Mm-hmm. But also, at the same time, send them somebody they could look at and say, oh, yeah. You know, so we might, we might get lucky and say, hey, he's available. Let's talk about him. Right. Um, 
it also just kind of shows the quality of players we have, you know. So, so it's a, you know, that's sort of a, a two-pronged approach. You know, I'm sending guys, but I'm also asking, what do you need? Right. Once, the, once I figure out, once they tell me, okay, we need, you know, a number nine, uh, under 25 years of age, right. uh, with these characteristics, I mean, that's ideal. Sometimes they just say, need a number nine. Yeah. But, you know, when we're doing, and, it, and it's funny too, that we'll, we'll get that from, from a head coach. If we're, if we're dealing with, um, say, uh, a head of scouting, it'll, we need a number nine with pace, uh, 25. Yeah, we'll get the details. Yeah. They, they get it. Yeah. Um, and, and head coaches, a lot of times, they just, you know, uh, they don't have the time. To, yeah. to, that's not their job. The, the scouting guys, it's their job to have the time to yeah. do that. The head coaching, he's probably got 19 other texts he's, right. he's got to get to, and he's, he's going to say, hey, we need a number nine. You got anybody? You mm-hmm. know? Um, and that's a generality. Everybody's different, but uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we reach out, ascertain needs, and then um, you know send those players profiles, follow up. Sometimes we push harder than other times if we're you know if we if we think it's um, we we rarely take one no for an answer. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and that doesn't mean we just say no. Really, you should no no. You need to look at. We'll wait a while. You right. know, I'll, I'll give it a, a week or two and say, hey, look, I know you. I know it's presented this guy before but I really think he fits what you're looking mm-hmm. for you know I really feel strongly that he could perform at your level mm-hmm. and, and we push a couple of times and, and I have to I have to hear no a few times before I'll stop marketing a player to a club mm-hmm. um, even then I never stop I just make the delay longer right. you know and it happens because these guys forget I mean they, yeah. uh, I mean I've sent I've sent um, I've sent guys to to a club who I know, I, like six months ago, I sent this guy three times, and now six months later, they're asking me, "Hey, do you have a defensive midfielder?" I'm like, "Yeah, take a look at this guy. He's perfect." <laughs> I, I swear that yeah. happens. <laughs> it's Just like, literally yeah, send them back yeah, same guy, same guy, same guy. <laughs> um, but you know, that happens for a number of reasons. The requirements change, yeah. you know, um, or. You know, he just overlooked him. He looked at him real quick, and yeah. he had somebody else who was more focused on. Yeah. And that guy didn't pan out. He forgot about, yeah. you know, so-and-so. So, so yeah, I mean, it's um, a lot of different ways I do it. And, and the specifics of how I do it depend on the guy that I'm talking to. You yeah. know, I've got, you know, relationships with most teams in this country. Um, some are stronger than others. Some I know pretty well. Some, are, you know, some I could, uh, you know, Call right on the cell phone. Some I have to email. Right. So, so why do you think it's important to have an agent in this game? Well, <clears throat> to answer that, I, I'm going to explain what you are from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a professional soccer player, mm-hmm. right here. Um, from a business perspective, what are you? You're an independent contractor. Yeah. 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 Um, to be an independent contractor in any industry, you kind of have to run yourself as a business. You have to advertise yourself. Um, you have to understand marketing. You have to understand contract negotiation. Uh, you you know, um, dis, uh, dispute resolution, mm-hmm. um, the finances of it, and even if you are good at all that stuff, and not every not many people are to be honest. Right. Um, even if you're good at that stuff and can do it on your own, that takes up time, and that's time you should be spending being a good footballer. You know, yeah. um, you know. You, I, I think uh, 
there's that. I, I think you need to subcontract out all the business side because you need to work on being a better footballer. But also, you need an advocate. You need somebody with experience. Um, you know, I, I have experience with more soccer teams than any player in the country. Yeah. Because I've dealt with all of them. You know, and and I have, you know, at least some level of insight on how every club in, in the United States works, and many in Europe, and some in South America. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and having that on board in your corner is is pretty crucial. Yeah. You know, I, I know their habits. I know how to negotiate. I know, um, you know, I know when they tell us this is what we have in our budget. I know if that's true or false. Yeah. You know, I have a pretty good idea. Of Teams take advantage of that too, and they yeah. take advantage of that they yeah. know you don't have an agent. That's right, right. If, yeah, uh, if if they know you have don't have an agent, they're going to negotiate accordingly. Yeah. You know, and it's not you know, being an agent is a lot more than negotiating mm-hmm. a contract. It, it's a lot to it. Um, you know, you need somebody who has the know how and knowledge uh, of the right way to stand up for you. You know, say you get in trouble. You, you, you need you need somebody who, who knows how to go to bat for you. Um, and another big, big thing that, that's very easily stated but not often stated is this. The, the, the system is set up to have agents, mm-hmm. whether anybody wants to admit that or not. A team has, most teams have a head coach and a GM or technical director, whatever you want to call them, yeah. right? So you have a relationship with your head coach. You have an issue... You don't want to burn that bridge. Yeah. You need that relationship to be pure. That's about football. It's not about business. Yeah. So your agent talks to the GM. That's where that that's where that belongs. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we have such relationships that we understand we're, we're neutral. It's it's like attorneys talking to each yeah. other. Yeah. You know, we're not gonna, no bridges are going to be burned over me fighting for my client and him fighting for his club. You know, his club's interest versus my client's interest because. I know that's his job, and he knows that's my job. Yeah. So keep your relationship pure with your coach and, and take any any complaints or issues uh, or, or, or unfair treatment to your agent and let him deal with it in, in the channel that was designed for that. Yeah. You know, um, That and, and in some cases, guidance. I think, you know, you've, found, you've asked my advice on a lot of different things, and I think I've done a pretty good job of giving you advice. Yeah. And, and that comes, again, like I said, from my experience. Um, not just in soccer, but in life. Yeah. I mean, I've got a very diverse background, and we only touched on some of it. Um, you know, from from playing soccer, from coaching soccer, from uh, being in the military, and and through that, being exposed to hundreds of different cultures. Um, from working in the mental health field, from working in the legal field, I. I have a background that touches in so many different things right. that I could advise you in a lot of different areas. Right. You know, so. Um, so you need that person, and, and and I think I have a pretty good football brain. I think I've shown you that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, guiding your career, you know, is is something that an agent should be able to do. Right. You know, um, and and I don't just say, look, you should do this, as you know. I'll say, look, these are the benefits of going this direction. These are the the pitfalls of going that direction. Mm-hmm. These are the benefits of going the other direction. Versus, you know, and and I kind of clarify everything for you and. You know, if I have a if I have a strong feeling one way or the other, I'll share it with you. Right. At the end of the day, you're the you're the decision maker. Right. But you've got that agent there to bounce that off of, to guide you through that, and and you know, and to give you a lot of the information you probably didn't have otherwise. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? What have 
what has been the most important thing to you as a player? I think the guidance, like you said, and definitely that bridge and the, that connection. I've known so many players throughout the years that they're not represented by anybody, and teams have taken advantage of that for years. Literally, my first year coming to the game, coming into Richmond, I remember guys, oh, I'm not represented, blah, blah, blah. Lee and the Richmond organization, they might skew things a little differently, come at them a little differently here, a little or release them early because of this and that, and because they're frustrated and right. they don't have anyone to represent them. And I've seen plenty of examples for myself as well where I'm frustrated, but I've been to you, and you kind of take my frustrations in a lighter way to the coaches and the GMs, and it's gone smoothly since, and we all, okay, now we're seeing yeah. eye to eye. Yeah. Or, for example, I think this, that's big too. I mean, you're the one who who it impacts, yeah, and and that's not a place you can negotiate from, or or even try to get any sort of dispute resolution from, yeah, you know, because it's going to turn into, you know, your frustration is going to come out too much, and it's not going to yeah. it's not going to go well. Yeah. So you need somebody who can sit down in a professional capacity and deal with that. So yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, what did I say? But yeah, in general too. Um, for example, like we were just talking about the NASL folding with all these big pool of players, and you're not having a job, but you're having someone representing me. I've been going. Yes, I'm here with uh, Pittsburgh, but before that, I was in North Carolina in contact with Richmond, in contact with multiple different teams because of you having someone represent me. But if I didn't have that, and I didn't know any know better this past off season specifically, probably maybe would have contacted one team myself, Richmond, because I knew them. But other than that. I've had, I would have been stuck on my couch not doing anything and probably would have hung out my boots because I didn't have anyone representing no. me. So, yeah, it goes a long way, and I see guys who aren't represented now, and they're, I don't know what I'm going to do next year. I don't like Obviously, I have plans. I'm going somewhere, but I don't know yeah. or I haven't heard of anything, so I don't know what to do unless that team is going to re-sign me. Then what, you know? So, yeah. yeah, it goes a long way, and I'm very thankful since I came out of college that you've been able to help me and represent me because Appreciate I see that. a lot of guys more and more that's hanging up in early years when they have great yeah. potential to even to reach the MLS, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. So as, as I was saying earlier, with the NASL folding and there's a big pool of players, what were kind of the challenges for you and for agents in general trying to get players jobs and just yeah. a big pool of players? Um, well... <clears throat> The obvious is, yeah, trying to get players jobs. I mean, that that has been a huge challenge, expanding our network. Um, but I think one challenge that that really stands out for me is is um, keeping these guys' spirits up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, let, letting these guys know that look, you know, I am I'm working hard for you, mm-hmm. and and you know, you, you shouldn't give up. You shouldn't you shouldn't give up on the process. It, even though it's taken longer than any of us want, mm-hmm. and that has been a huge challenge. I mean, it's it's frustrating. It's difficult. It's frustrating for them. It's frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got even now. I've got very very good players who aren't playing, mm-hmm. and it sucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's real frustrating. Um, but they're they're not going to play again if they if they give in if they yeah. if they don't say if they don't remember there's always a transfer window opening up somewhere yeah. you know and you, you got to keep grinding you got to find whatever way you can to stay sharp and relevant and you know and wait for that market to open back right. up right. and uh, you know it's it's just been difficult to to keep these guys hanging in there mentally and and 
in a mor- from a morale point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's been my biggest challenge. Um, I like to think I've done a pretty good job of it for the most part. I know there's some guys not happy, you know, uh, and I, I can't. You, you can't blame them. Uh, they're footballers and they're not playing football, you know, or at least not at the level they should be playing. Yeah. You know, and and I feel it. I feel their pain, literally. I mean, it, it it's like I mean, you guys to me are are like my extended family. I mean, I do feel with most of you guys a connection where like I, I have the same sort of responsibility for you guys as I do for my children. Right. I want your, you know, I want what's best for you. I, I'm responsible for your well being, and I'm hard on myself. You know, I, I work my ass off to get the opportunities, and and when they don't pan out, when I don't have any reason to call a guy and say, hey, you know, I got you this chance for, for weeks, for months, yeah, I feel horrible. I feel like I'm letting them down, you know, no matter how hard I've worked, no matter how many emails I've sent, no matter how many phone calls, I just feel like maybe if I stayed up a little later making more calls, you know, that that maybe, you know, that would have panned out. So so that's been, you know, that's been diff- difficult on me from a business standpoint and even from an emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. So do you have any advice for players who might be thinking of becoming an agent one day? Um, it, uh, well, I wasn't expecting that question. That's a great <laughs> question. Uh, advice for players who are thinking of becoming an agent. Um, first off, first and foremost, never burn any bridges. Um, learn to swallow your pride. Mm, goes a long way. Um, I, I mean, you really do. You Sometimes you just have to deal with people you don't like. And that's the that's business. That's the world. That's the reality. Yeah. You need to you need to get over that and treat and treat like them with respect. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be I'll be honest. I, there are not, there aren't that many people in in the game in, in the U.S. at least. Uh, not too many in Europe that I've come across that I don't like. I mean, uh, I think we generally have have a a pretty likable culture. You know, uh, there are some there are some people that I I really don't like doing business with, but I swallow my pride and I, and I do business with them. You know, there are people, um, there's one guy, and this was indoor before, you know, I don't work at that level anymore. I don't work really indoor. Um, but, you know, I used to have to do what I had to do. And there was one guy in the indoor game. He was such an arrogant jerk, and I couldn't <laughs> stand him. And yet every time I called, I was respectful, yeah. professional, and polite, yeah. you know, because I had to, well, because I'm not talking for me. I'm not, I can't give in to my frustration because yeah. I'm working on, my client's yeah. interests, you know. So, so if you're a player who's thinking about becoming an agent, burn, don't burn bridges. Make connections with everybody. You know, you have to, you have to be a, an expert at making friends because you're going to need them all. Right. You know, uh, and, and you know, if you're out an outgoing person, okay, it's certainly something you should be considering. Mm-hmm. If you're an introvert, it's going to be challenging. You're going to have to you're going to have to get over that. You're going to have to learn to connect to people. Right. Um, and that's you know that's what a, being an agent largely is about. Right. Um, also, you know, from a more practical standpoint, you need to familiarize yourself with uh, FIFA's regulations on the status and transfer of players. Um, you're going to need to familiarize yourself with MLS competition guidelines, mm-hmm. USL as well. But MLS competition guidelines are so complex. That's something. That, that you're really going to need to understand inside and out if you're if you're working in this country, you know if you're if you intend to work in, in the United States, you have to understand TAM and GAM, yeah. um, and that is targeted allocation money, yeah. general allocation money, uh, the single uh, single entity 
ownership concept of MLS, yeah. the fact that, you know, you sign an MLS contract, you sign an MLS contract. You yeah. don't sign with the Philadelphia Union right. legally or the, yeah. you know, Seattle Sounders. You've signed with Major League Soccer, you know, and you need to understand that, how it impacts, um, you know, practical standpoint. You should probably uh, start poking around the uh, um, Major League Soccer Players Association website. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's something... Uh, hesitate to kind of go too much into this on the radio but um, there's still a licensing process basically the way it works in the, in the U- U.S. is you give the USSF some money, it's not a lot uh, 300 I think for the mm-hmm. first one and I think it's only $30 a year to renew or something like that um, they do a background check and they license you as an intermediary. Mm-hmm. Um, that allows you to do absolutely nothing differently than you can without that license. Right. Um, it's good to have, but you don't need the license to, to conduct business. When, when, gotcha. you sign a, when you sign a pro contract in the U.S., or anywhere, really, pretty much anywhere, it, it, there's a question. Was an agent used in the negotiation of this contract? Yes. Well, is that agent uh, is that agent licensed through a uh, licensed intermediary through the federation? No. Boom. Contract's done. Right. It's valid. It's good. The agent gets paid. Right. So, yeah. So at, at this point, there's there there's nothing you really gain from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that said, we have licensed intermediary at least one licensed intermediary. Uh, might might be two in our fold um, I, I guess the whole idea is to give players a warm fuzzy feeling that this guy's legitimate right. but it, uh, it doesn't work that way if I'm being honest right. um, I know plenty of so called licensed intermediaries who are just horrible um, both as agents and human beings mm-hmm. I know plenty who are great who are fantastic agents I know plenty of agents who don't have a license who are pretty fantastic at what they do mm-hmm. and good people right. you know um, as of right now, there's just no incentive to get it, you know. And that's and that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not a huge deal because it's 300 bucks. Right. You know, it's not a, it's not a big chunk of change. Um, you know, so so that's yeah. So that's as far as to answer your question, as far as advice, that's that's what you want to start looking towards yeah. and, and leaning forward on. And you know, if you guys have an agent. That's the first place to start. That's your first resource. Um, I think as a player, for pro players out there um, who are listening to this podcast, the the best time to start talking about post-career planning is right this second. Post-career could happen tomorrow. Yeah. You know? Um, Very true. You know, we're we're working on a a client right now who, who just got hurt and may or may not be able to come back from it. So we're taking the two-pronged approach. We're starting his post-career mm-hmm. um, marketing now. Yeah. We're trying to get him a job in the game outside of being on the field. Yeah. Um, you know, by the same token, he's rehabbing hard to see if he can you know, come back from this. So uh, it's never too early to start start your post-career planning. Right. You know? And I want to congratulate you on this podcast. I, I mean, this it. is a this is a good start. I mean, you're you're building yourself a, a good resume here mm-hmm. and and a, a good little side business potentially, mm-hmm. and uh, 
you know, you're doing a great job with Thank it. You. I've listened to a few of them, and, and they're great. And it's a different perspective than yeah. anybody else is doing. I right. love it. Um, highly recommend this for, for youth soccer players, you know, young youngsters who aspire to be pros who are going to s- sit here and week in, week out, listen to you talking yeah. to your peers in the game yeah. about their experiences and their struggles right. and what it's really like, right. you know. So, so congratulations. On I appreciate that. that. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on the show, Brian. Thank you. It's been an awesome episode. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Subscribe, footy fans, so you're updated when new episodes come out. And I appreciate you guys listening on. You guys have a good rest of your day.